0: Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure.
1: Welcome to Better Roads. I'm really happy today to be talking with Sarah Williams. Sarah and her husband, George, planted and co-pastor the City Light Church, in Toledo, Ohio. Sarah, it's a delight to have you with us today.
0: Thank you. So happy to be here.
1: Uh, Tell us about your family.
0: Well, we have uh, two daughters, Selah and Anna. They are, well, almost 11 and nine, and we've homeschooled our girls uh, for all of the years leading till just recently, and they've Started school in the past few months, and they love it. It was a great transition for our family. We've had actually lots of change. We actually have a puppy now too. Oh my! Where I God. said I'd never have a doggy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: dog. So it's been a great year of change and uh, the newest addition. Rosie to our family
1: and famous last words
0: and God changed my heart (laughs) about puppies and animals. (laughs) Famous
1: last words. I will never have a puppy, but so this was a God thing.
0: I really feel like it was. Yeah. Where I thought I, (laughs) I don't know at best I could tolerate this animal. I actually might love her the most of all of us. (laughs) Rosie
1: has found a way into your heart she has yeah. yeah well i know the church i've had the opportunity of course of being at city light and i i love the dynamism that comes with a new church plant like that and you were you were carving something out of nothing you and george in that area and i know you recently had a a victory in the neighborhood could you tell us something about that too
0: Yeah, well, we have found ourselves in what we call the red light district of Toledo, which I'm guessing that's what you're referring to. We had um, a strip club that was illegally operating because of its proximity to a children's play zone and different things that by code was not allowed to be in operation. But uh, we didn't have as quick of movement immediately, um, just in terms of the city uh, to bring the change, uh, to move that um, business out of operation, but, Uh, we have had a victory recently and it's been shut down. And you know, it was preceded by a lot of prayer. Our heart is definitely um, to reach the loss of the love and the light of Jesus and to believe for transformation of this whole region. So Mm -hmm. our heart definitely is for the people, but not for illegal, illegally operating business. So we're we're rejoicing for the victory of what was right being done and continuing to believe that God will give us, you know, the tools and the favor to reach the people in the, you know, in the rest of the district that is still
1: operating. Absolutely. And I know that is your heart. So let's, let's wind back the clock just a little bit. In a a 2016 issue of the Message Magazine, you talked about a pretty drastic fork in the road, is the way you described it. Because as I recall, I don't think, I think you and George were just going to be getting married and he came to you with some more than just a proposal of marriage. I think there was more to the proposal than just that. Could you tell us a little bit of what took place in those early days?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, during our years of being engaged, it was was neat because God was putting vision in our heart for a mission that really was in his heart to see a neighborhood loved, um, with his heart, with his love, and he began to just speak to us about what it would look like to literally love your neighbor as yourself. Well, uh, to spare you all the details and put it in a nutshell, we realized at this one point that um, we'd soon be getting married, and um, this building that we had found ourselves um, able to use, uh, it would require some, some money to be able to use it. But we thought that we would also be able to afford renting an apartment nearby and do the ministry at this big house in this uh, great area where we were gonna do the outreach, but you know, meanwhile live in a separate apartment. But uh, financially, when you crunch the numbers, it it wasn't feasible for both to happen, and we were just a couple months away from getting married and trying to make the decision of where we would have our first home, and it became clear if we were going to follow this mission that we felt God was speaking about, we'd actually have to live, literally live in this building, which uh, wasn't deemed livable. To be honest, it didn't have a real functioning furnace even. And and we were getting married in January, the month of January. So, um, you know, there are some little makeshift uh, things you could do to make a space functional, but it definitely wasn't ideal. And, uh, you know, we couldn't shake this thing that God had put in our heart. And so you just look at the practical side of it. And, you know, I had just had a bridal shower and all these beautiful gifts and thinking there wouldn't there's no way I could bring new beautiful things into this space that really isn't even made for living because it was formerly a a club and a, um, a machinist union met there. I mean, it just wasn't actually even a home. Um, but George, he said to me, would you just seek the Lord about it? And I had this in front of me, like one road would be, you know, don't use all these beautiful new things you just got from your bridal shower or remember what you said, Sarah, to the Lord that if you called me to Mexico, I live in a hut in Mexico, God. And he always had put that in my heart that, you know, maybe someday I would, I would serve him abroad in whatever conditions that would look like. I just didn't expect that he'd actually call me in my own city to do that. So, you know, the, the Lord gave George some wisdom and he didn't force his bride to be to make that decision, but he said, would you seek the Lord? And I did. And I I said, Lord, I'll do it, but I need a word to stand on because we We actually had nothing. I mean, we didn't have debt, but we just really otherwise didn't have much. So if we did something like this, the Lord would really have to move some big mountains to even make, you know, a ministry really feasible for this, um, for this area. And so I remember I was substitute teaching uh, and early one morning I was driving to my assignment and I've been seeking the Lord, and it's real early and dark still, and the presence of God just began to fill my car, and the radio is playing softly, and it's funny because personally, this isn't a song I would have turned up the radio on, but the Lord started speaking through the lyrics, and I did turn up the radio, and it's audio adrenaline's big, big house. I don't know if you remember that song, but um, I heard the lyrics and it goes, I don't know if you got some shelter, say a place to hide. I don't know if you live with friends in whom you can confide. I don't know if you got a family, say a mom or dad. I don't know if you feel love at all, but I bet you wish you had come and go with me to my father's house. Come and go with me to my father's house. It's a big, big house with lots big, and lots big of food. A big, big table with lots and lots of food. And the Lord basically, through that song, he told me, this is my house, and I'm going to do it. And just like that song (laughs) um, said, this is going to be a place for people to come and hide. It's going to be a place where they can come and confide and find family, and you're going to have a big, big table with lots and lots of food. And just all these promises, he started speaking to my heart, which was all I needed, you know, I needed that strong word and it is what I stood on. We did it. And in the months and years following, we saw... The absolute miraculous hand of God make provision for um, this house to become livable, for resources to reach a neighborhood and to reach a city. And where we had zero, we always had enough. And sometimes he multiplied things. I could tell you hours. I know we don't have hours, but hours of stories of his provision. And not just miraculous provision, physical provision, but really set the course for the miraculous in, in reaching people and seeing, you know, just the hand of God and the demonstration of the power of God. So it was pretty, pretty amazing.
1: You know, it it strikes me how God did call you to the mission field. It was just Toledo. Yes. yes. And you, when you say you, you got this big house, I don't even think it does justice to say a big, that is a monster of a house because it has what, like four or five, stories to it the basement. But I remember what what we would call the attic. You had like almost a half court basketball court in there.
0: Yes. It is massive. And actually, you know, we've even had some ongoing um just improvements over the years. And we more recently were able to put um, some flooring down. It has become a place for intercession and worship and people gather up there still declaring and decreeing that our region will be reached for Jesus. And it's a place uh, of intentional intercession. So The attic is pretty much uh, hands down everyone's favorite. You just walk in and you feel the presence of the Lord. It's a special Mm -hmm.
1: place. So it's still being used then for the Lord.
0: It is. Yep. Mm
1: -hmm. So you, you, uh, would you describe that? It sounds like that was a very formative and pivotal stage for you, for you. Would you consider that maybe to be very instrumental in what God has done to you and through you since?
0: I think so, because I think um, setting a foundation that says, uh, God, if you don't show up, this isn't going to happen, it kind of became, I guess, the motto of how I think I've aligned myself for ministry and my expectation. You know, it requires faith and it's very stretching at times. But the thrill of partnering with God in seeing that he's doing things that you could not do on your own is the absolute best way to live. And, you know, he really trained us, I think, in those beginning years. You know, that was 2006 that we were married and, you know, somewhere along the lines, five or six years later, he started Speaking to us about a church and planting a church and that had never been on our radar. So it was like, I recall oh, that, God. you know, like that we would personally do something like that. That was not our personal mission or vision for mm-hmm. our life. But it it kind of has been consistent. God speaks something and we say we want our heart is to obey and we'll trust you that where we feel like we might not have that, <laughs> you know, all our ducks in a row, you're going to make the provision. And he always, he always has. So, Amen. Amen. And you, yeah.
1: you use the expression that God speaks to us. And I know you, you, you pray for, and you listen to the Lord, but I want to, I want to just explore a little bit with you about that because I know that God works through you prophetically also. I've seen you do that beautifully, I think, in written words, and I I think also um, verbally. Could you talk to us a little bit, Sarah, about how did you first become aware or realize that the Holy Spirit was using you or wanting to use you in that way?
0: Yeah. Actually, You know, I remember for whatever reason, this moment, I think I had just gotten my driver's license and I remember being in my car driving and having some thoughts one day, like, God, if Enoch walked with you and knew you like that, and that can be done, I want that. (laughs) What does it look like and how do I come to the place that I could talk to you and I could hear you and we could walk together like that? And something just, you know, whether this was my own thought or it was the Lord telling me to have, you know, this perspective. I thought to myself, I have this feeling like if I invited you to ask me to do something and I could have a definitive invitation to respond in obedience that you might be able to train me to hear your voice. And so I invited him. I said, if you would ask me to do some things, I will do it because I want to learn how to hear your voice. And I know you know, what I naturally want to do and what wouldn't have been my thoughts. And I believed that he could give me his will and his thoughts and his ideas. And, and I remember I was involved in a pretty good sized youth group. Um, we had a great worship service every week um, that preceded the word and i remember that god began to put things inside of my heart to share um with others individually and publicly and i had a youth pastor who who um champion this, you know, from a, he empowered me to do it, but I, the Lord would put scripture in my heart and I would feel a prophetic exhortation rise up to share with my peers. And he would, he would allow me during the worship service to give that prophetic exhortation. Um, and, and so the Lord would put it in my heart and I would obey, I'd come and release that. And and I remember the first time he gave me a word of encouragement for a girl, it was also during the worship service she was not a close friend of mine, you know, just an acquaintance through youth group. So this was not a natural thing for me to just go up to her. But he had put in my heart some words to encourage her. And me not knowing her circumstance at all or how that would be relevant by faith, I, I went to her and delivered this word. And she just burst into tears and was just so touched by the Lord. And so I think it was, you know, those, those years when I was... You know, 16, 17 years old, it, it started with a desire. Like he put a desire in my heart mm-hmm. to be able to talk to him and know what his heart was. And, you know, the next step was learn how to obey his promptings. And, so, and, then,
1: and then you got to witness, obviously, the confirmation that the Holy Spirit was using. you. It wasn't just Sarah at that point.
0: Well, yeah, because there, it wasn't based on any understanding. And so when, mm-hmm. when someone is so moved by words that clearly weren't your own, it wasn't based yes. on my own knowledge, you know, yes. it's just, the Lord has a way of encouraging us in the journey too. you know, and affirming um, that, that you were in his heart. And he's so kind like that. He knows how to train us. And so, you know, I think the desire probably started with, his desire um, for me to find that, and we just worked together.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know, you you uh, the word the Lord gives you um, something from the word and uh, an exhortation, a mm-hmm. uh, word of encouragement, counsel, whatever it may be, and and you just unpack that as the Holy Spirit gives that to you. You know what? Uh, oftentimes we have to deal with stereotypes. And uh, there's a common stereotype today about prophetic people, Mm -hmm. uh, people who are used by God prophetically. And and the the stereotype is that often it is not what you described, but it is with a shrill, shrieking, judgmental voice Mm -hmm. of condemnation and like burn this place down kind of uh, prophetic word. Uh, How do you... uh, what do you attribute the difference between that model and what you're describing how the Holy Spirit uses you?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I guess kind of going back to being that 16, 17 year old, um, you know, the years prior to that were preceded by kind of what I would call my first love moments with the Lord. And I had such a hunger just in the secret place to worship encounter just his presence and to read the word I devoured the word I loved the word and um so I think for for several years um we had cultivated the secret place together Mm. and Mm. as I've grown in the prophetic um that's always been essential is keeping that place in the secret place and you know, for those who are listening, you know, who can relate when you protect and you cherish that place um, and you've experienced the sweetness of God, it, it changes you. And I feel like I've been so transformed in the secret place, in the presence of God. And what I've encountered of who he is, is that he's warm and he's loving yes. and he's happy. He's joyful. And, you know, we know the word says that there are moments where the Lord is angry, but the scripture says that his anger lasts for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Mm. And I believe that the prophetic is actually meant so that we can help people find his favor. So they can live in that lifetime of favor, not that they have to deal with the anger. And so I certainly think that the Holy Spirit um, brings moments of correction to us, but it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that causes us to change the way that we think. And in my experience, he is just wonderful and he's so kind and he's so loving. And if I delivered something in a different spirit, it wouldn't actually represent who I know him to be.
1: Be contrary, wouldn't it? The
0: delivery that I have just comes Mm -hmm. from how I've encountered his nature to be.
1: Amen. Amen. Yeah. I think uh, um, uh, one of the marks, of course, always, of something's prophetic, is it wrapped in God's love?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I know a question a lot of times people ask, I've heard this asked several times by people about the prophetic gift. How do you know when something that you're feeling might be a message from God? How do you know it's not simply your opinion about it? I mean, Mm -hmm. how do you discern and know that distinction, Sarah?
0: Yeah. Well, I think my first response would be, I sort of have this going for me, that I don't actually enjoy always announcing my opinions. (laughs) Just by nature, (laughs) I tend to be like a little slower to speak, and you know, uh-huh. if you were in my community, yes, uh, people who know me well know that I will preface my opinions and d- distinguish them from okay, I'm just telling you my opinion right now, this is not the word of the Lord, and it's important to me because I so reverence the word of the Lord and I want to represent Him well, mm-hmm. and so for me, um, you know, I. Have really worked to understand the difference between my flesh and the spirit. And uh, we are three part beings, right? We know we're body, soul, and spirit, and our souls aren't bad, but our souls have the capability of being influenced by our flesh where our spirit is the part of us that is made for fellowship with God. It's the part when we study yes to Jesus that will live eternally. And it has the ability to connect with God, to understand all of the truth that's in the word of God. And, uh, I feel like there's a point where I said, I want my soul to be aligned with the, the spirit. I want to be in alignment with God's word. And so teach me God to separate my flesh from what is spirit. And definitely I'm not perfect in that. But I think that um, through the journey of learning the difference between that, I have learned that God's um, God's language, the language that we've developed together his thoughts and words sound different than mine Uh, and um, his impressions feel different than my fleshly reactions. And so I've studied them and I've, I've asked him about, I've had him help me analyze my own fleshly reactions, so I can learn and grow. And I'm no expert, but I have studied it a lot because it's important to me by principle to represent him well in distinguishing the difference between my opinion and what I've heard the lord saying
1: excellent now i know there's someone listening today to you sarah and they they're not where you are they're at an earlier stage but they feel like they're they're beginning to have this awareness also that the holy spirit wants to work through them prophetically they're just at a very fledgling stage you talked about I've learned to I've learned to understand I've learned to listen. What counsel would you give to someone who's just feeling maybe the holy spirit stirring them with stirring within them and uh, there's a gift in there what would you what would you say to them today?
0: Yeah, well earlier when we were just discussing how important it was that the prophetic is marked by love I think I would encourage them be familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. You know, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, Mm -hmm. I have nothing. So your first starting point really is to make sure that your heart Uh, is in alignment with Jesus's greatest command, which is to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, I think we can even look a little bit deeper at that and say, I need to make sure I love myself the way that God loves me. um, Because if I don't love myself, I can't love my neighbor well. And making sure that we love God well with all that we have, love our neighbors well, love ourselves, you know, you know, let go of the past. We have to let go of the past sometimes Um, and just see ourselves through the lens of what God says. Um, I think that's really important before you even jump into pursuing, um, you know, exploring the gift of prophecy, make sure that love is at the forefront um, and make sure you've really cultivated your relationship with God in the secret place because um, the prophetic should only flow from the overflow of your relationship with God. And, you know, then from there, how do I, you know, how do I jump out into that? um, You know, I kind of just would look back to what I shared as my starting point if that desire is inside of you you can have a level of confidence he's he's put that inside of you he wants us to uh represent his heart in the earth he's looking for people who will be a pure voice for what's on his mind and his heart we know that from the word um and you you just have to enter a deep trust relationship because there are steps of faith inside of it. Like I shared, you know, the first time you go and you release a word of encouragement and you've never done that before, you're, <laughs> you're you know <laughs> you, you're suppressing your your fears and your anxiety and sure. just saying, "God, I'm trusting. You're my helper. You're gonna be with me." And yes. trust in the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. And that's the thing I think that is the greatest encouragement is that any gift of the Spirit that we're operating in, it, it's um, it's from the Holy Spirit. He is the one who gives the gifts and he lives inside of us. So if it's his desire and he lives inside of us, he's the one who's going to train us to do it. And if we're in relationship with Him, it's going to flow from relationship, and His grace is going to help you grow in it.
1: Amen, amen. Relationship and depth of character need to precede gifts in terms of the priorities yeah Uh, that's so insightful and helpful to people today sarah and as we bring this to a close and you look back over the years and we just we just had a few snapshots of a movie of your life here basically still still frames of your movie and as you look back over that uh, the name of this is called better roads because although we have many roads we can choose in life and some of those maybe are not as good there are some roads That every person knows, you can look back and say, you know, that was so instrumental. That was so strategic to the formation of who I am today. Mm
0: -hmm. Are there a
1: few roads that you could identify like that that you'd say, wow, that was really important for me?
0: Yeah, well, I do think, you know, some of my story that I've shared, any road that involved taking a step of faith that was beyond what I could wrap my mind around. So for example, there's another, there's another ministry that God, um, birthed and it was entirely dependent on him. We actually received another ministry house, which actually is dedicated to, um, seeing people receive healing. You know, we know that God brings salvation, eternal salvation, but he also wants to Work to restore our broken hearts and mm-hmm. soul, mm-hmm. you know, soul wounds and the things that have been difficult from from life. And we had a building given to us, you know, very similar to the story really? of, of wow. the Lewis House, but it needed a ton of work. And the Lord said to me, "I'm going to do it just like I did that." And tens of thousands of dollars of um, you know, resource and labor and everything He provided so that we would have that. And um, I think that that initial step that was taken from the very beginning beginning paved the way. It doesn't mean that I haven't been incredibly stretched every time he asks. It's still stretching, no matter how many times you've taken a step of faith. But because he's been faithful, um, it's helped me just build. Um, Every time he, he says, this is the next thing I have, um those initial decisions have been a place that he could build upon. So I think steps of faith were huge. Uh, guarding, fighting for the secret place has been imperative. Um, if you're in ministry or even if you're <laughs> an American, right, with a normal life responsibility, we live in a really busy um society and it's not very natural to build in quiet time it's very easy to just you know turn on our cell phone and connect and kill time that way but protecting my time with the lord has been everything it's been everything it has definitely influenced the roads that have gone down and i'd say uh finally the other is um Choosing the path of humility because, you know, I can tell you lots of great stories, um, but there's learning curves too. And I've made some mistakes and letting the Lord um, teach me and repenting when I've been wrong and learning to be humble is really important um, to grow with the Lord. No one knows at all. You know, no one does. And if you can accept the fact right now, I'm going to make mistakes, that I'm going to miss the mark at times, Um, he can just flood you with his grace and his favor to bring you from one degree of glory to the next, but it takes humility. Well, this has been a
1: delight today visiting with you, Sarah. Thank you for sharing your journey with us.
0: Oh, it has been an honor. Thank you so much for having me.
1: And thank you for joining us today on the Better Roads Podcast. We'll look forward to having you join us on the next episode.
0: You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, President of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.